everywhere. This is for you. Now entering the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesko. It's Wednesday, June 19th, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chad Chesco. And Chad, good to be back after a much-deserved week off. You traveled the country, and I celebrated an anniversary. Yes, sir. Two flights back and forth to the West Coast in 10 days for me, Bill. So I'm a little groggy from the traveling and maybe a little partying as well. But it was fun. And, yeah, happy belated anniversary to you and Mary last week. She's still allowing you to stick around, huh? So far, 37 years. <laughs> I think I think we got it now. Wow. Good for you. Congrats. <laughs> well, hey, Jed, while we were gone, the Phils not only lost first place, now stand three games out. Uh, having lost 11 of their last 17, including this afternoon. We're on the NBA draft eve, which is even more interesting after this week's blockbuster trade between the Pelicans and the Lakers and all the Jimmy Butler rumors going on. The Flyers are retooling the blue line. The only thing quiet seems to be over at the NovaCare Center. Yeah, Eagles' mandatory OTAs happened last week. Malcolm Jenkins was there, but otherwise – they were largely uneventful. Hopefully the Flyers' deals will help them the upcoming season. In all honesty, Bill, with the traveling, I didn't really study those moves too closely. And the Phillies, well, they do have me concerned. I've been saying since February that they needed to get another legitimate starting pitcher, and they still haven't done it as we move into late June. You're killing me, Matt Klintak. Well, is it pitching? Is it hitting? Because they can't do either one. And, uh, yeah. you know, the seat is going to start getting a little hot on that Gabe Kapler if it's not already. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, you know, you can't blame him for all of it. We discussed that in our last show. He can't go out there and hit for these guys. But, you know, some of his decisions are coming under scrutiny as well, including letting Sean Rodriguez uh, swing at a 3-0 pitch today, um, his use of Cole Irvin in the game today rather than, uh, Alvarez, so, you know, he's he's in the spotlight, and, again, there are some fans calling for his head already. Yeah, and, you know, jeez, uh, you, you look at it, and I, I guess the thing that really seems to be kind of in question is the effort. Um, you know, when you go cold like this, the whole entire team has gone cold, and it started with the doable deal, and it's been like a domino. Uh, McCutcheon went next and right on down the list, and this team is looks like a sinking ship right at the moment. Yeah, remember three weeks ago we were talking and the Phillies were on pace for 96 wins. Well, it's been a rough three weeks. As you mentioned, they've lost 11 of 17. Right now they're on a pace for just 87 wins. They're only six games over 500 now. So things are not going very well right now, but there's still plenty of time ahead. Uh, the Nationals are gaining ground on them. I guess they're only, what, four or five back of the Phillies now? The Nats were 10 back of the Phils at one point about three weeks ago. So it's getting very interesting in the National League East, and the Phillies got to get it going soon, Bill. Well, we'll get back to the Phillies, Chet, but we're going to talk about guests. We've got a couple great ones lined up tonight. Longtime Sixers insider D. Lynham, uh, who these days is often heard on 97.5 The Fanatic, and the owner of the Philly Spectrum S, Andrew Kay, will be joining us. 
Yeah, we have a lot, a lot of ground to cover with both of these awesome guests, so let's get it going, Bill. All right. With that, let's welcome Dee Lynham back to Philly Press Box Radio. Welcome, Dee. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, How are you? I'm doing all right. How are both of you? Terrific. Fantastic. Dee, nice to see you ever so briefly yesterday at the Dick Vermeil Golf Invitational. I know you had to run, couldn't stick around for dinner, but I'm sure you enjoyed your golfing. Um, thank you so much for joining us yet again here in the show, particularly because it is the eve of another draft night. But, Dee, before we talk Sixers, I want to ask you, how do the serious Kevin Durant injury and the blockbuster trade of Anthony Davis to the Lakers for a King's ransom or a Pelican's ransom in this case, how do they change things regarding the NBA landscape and teams' draft and free agency plans? Uh, I think it has a big impact. Um, I think because we don't know where Kevin Durant would have gone, and maybe he'll surprise us and still go somewhere else. But I would say that we will see him stay in Golden State. And so um, a New York team, whether it be the Knicks or the Nets, if they thought they could land him along with a Kyrie or someone else or the Clippers in that you know, same vein, uh, I think it alters, and now, you know, with Anthony Davis going to the Lakers, unfortunately they spent most of their money. So I don't think that impacts the big, big guy as much as Kevin Durant's injury does. And I think he and Clay both will stay in Golden State. Hmm. Well, D, another trade today, Mike Conley goes to the Utah Jazz. Kyle Korver is going to have a still another jersey for his collection. A big, a big trade, some drafts, <laughs> some players. Uh, any impact there? Does that does that make the Jazz a contender as well? Well, I'm sure the Jazz see it that way. You know, I thought uh, not this past year, the year before, I thought they had a phenomenal year, and then they came back to life. I mean, back to like standard a little bit this past year. So clearly they think they're closer. And with Golden State, you know, having two of their guys go down, I think similar to LeBron leaving the East last year, there were many teams that looked and said, this is our opportunity, which included the Sixers and Toronto and Milwaukee, for that matter. Uh, And I think you're seeing the teams out West see this as an opportunity. I'm not going to say that Golden State is simply going to go away. Um, but it could definitely change the outlook for next year, and we'll see if the dynasty comes back the year after that. All right, so as we speak, it's about 24 hours before the draft gets going. Not quite as exciting, D, as when the Sixers had the number one overall pick or even a lottery pick. The Sixers picked number 24, so a lot could happen, but do you have any sense of who or even what kind of player Elton Brand will be targeting at number 24? Elton Brand is looking for a mature player who can play in the rotation immediately. Like a lot of years, I think we always talk about um, developing talent. They don't have the luxury of being able to do that. And so I think it definitely, uh, while it's not as exciting as taking a number one or the top, you know, a number three and a Joel Embiid, that kind of thing, uh, I do think it's very important and I'm interested in seeing who that person ends up being. I have a preference, which is Cam Johnson, um, who went to school for five years, finished his undergrad in three at Pitt, and then was able to go and play without sitting out a year at UNC while he went to graduate school. Uh, I like that he's 23 years old. I know a lot of people think at 23 you probably 
you know, have fit your potential, which I think is crazy. Um, but best of all is that he's a shooter. And he shot better than 45% for the year. But on the road in the ACC, he shot 57.4% from three-point range. In, in hostile territory, that to me is just a number I can't ignore. Well, absolutely. Great number. Well, D, how does all this play into the Jimmy Butler scenario? You know, we hear we, we hear the rumors. We hear what's going on. Is he a target now for the Lakers? And uh, or do we still have a chance to keep him, or is he going to make a move? So, with Jimmy Butler, um, I mean, first of all, the Lakers situation, I, I, I know people love to talk about, but they have currently $23.7 million remaining to fill out the rest of their roster. Now, they do have a couple of guys who are, you know, left over, but they're not big names. And I know they're going to try to buy second-round picks uh, tomorrow night because that, those picks will allow them to go over the cap. But, you know, the Jimmy Butlers, the Tobias Harris's, the Kawhi Leonard's, these are guys who expect to get max contracts, and rightly so. So I don't think the Lakers is an issue for – Uh, the Sixers to worry about. And personally, the reason they're in this situation uh, this year, meaning with both Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler getting max deals, is because last year they they lost out in free agency. And so a better way, hopefully, uh, you know, for Elton Brand and Brett Brown was to let's trade for these guys. We gave up assets, but they are in our top ten of guys we'd like to add to our to our roster, and the best way we can do it is we're going to have a fifth year that others don't have. And so hopefully that is what happens. All right. Uh, let's get back to the draft. So Zion Williamson goes number one overall to New Orleans. What happens at numbers two and three, picks owned by the Grizzlies and Knicks, respectively? Yeah, I mean, I think John uh, Mont goes second. I think R.J. Barrett will go third. Um, you know, a lot of people think that that's a major drop-off. I don't know if that is the case, but uh, I think that is how we see that this will go. Hey, quick follow-up. Um, any guys who you like who might get drafted a little further down in the first round, maybe at 24 for the Sixers or even into the uh, you know, top of the second round, 33rd, 34th, where the Sixers pick any guys you might want to look out for? I like the kid uh, Matisse from now I know a lot of people say to me I don't like Washington <laughs> products because of the Markel Fultz. Uh, I would say you can't think like that, but um, I like him because he's a defender. He blocks shots and he gets steals, and he's uh, been an all-defensive guy in the Pac-12. I think he got Pac-12 defensive player of the year two years in a row. And for his, I don't have the exact stat for you in terms of number of blocks and steals he had last year. It's a crazy number, but nobody has had those two numbers in 20 years in one season. Interesting. Hey, D, you mentioned second rounders and the Lakers possibly buying some of them. We got a whole load of them at 33, 34, 42, and 54. Uh, any chance of trying to move them out? And or if not, what are we going to do with them all? Well, like I said, the Lakers are going to be in the buying uh, mode to them. Um, And I would go sell the high ones, obviously. At 33 and 34, you need to get, again, similar to 24, 
you got to get a player who can try to help you immediately. Uh, you know, you need a backup center. I'm not big on young centers being able to help you instantly. So personally, I would go in free agency, get a backup center for Joel Embiid, and I would get shooting and perimeter defense in the draft with 24, 33, and 34. If somehow 33 and uh, 33 and 24 could get you up higher if you thought your guy was going to be there and you didn't want somebody to steal him and you could package that. Wouldn't be high high, meaning if at 20 you had to jump to 20, you may be able to do that with your 33 or 34 package with 24. You mentioned free agency. We already talked about Jimmy Butler, but the Sixers have a lot of questions, you know, guys who they can or you know may not want to retain. What do you see them doing with their own guys from the past season and who might they target elsewhere? So, like I just said, obviously backup center is, is a definite need. Uh, you know, J.J. Redick will be a thought also. You know, you're going to need a shooter for sure in that starting lineup. Is it going to be J.J. Redick? I don't know. Is it going to be uh, the guy you draft? You know, it seems unlikely at 24 that you would get somebody who could instantly jump in there and help you, but that may be the case. If not, like I'll, I'll tell you the backup centers I like, like a JaVale McGee or a, a Joel Kim Noah, that either one of those guys, they're, McGee is 31, had a great year last year with the Lakers. Noah had a very, very solid year, averaging 16 and a half uh, minutes for the Grizzlies. He's a high-energy guy, and he didn't really play a lot of basketball in two previous years. So in terms of wear and tear on his body, he's 34. You know, that, that would be a guy that either one of those seems like the right kind of fit. So that the rim protectors, so when the Embiid goes to the bench, you are not having such a drastic drop-off as they have had um, with their defense. Mm, interesting. Hey, they, uh, I've looked at a lot of the mock drafts. I wanted to ask you about the locals. The only the only person I've seen is Eric Paschal as a possible first-round yeah. pick. Any other locals uh, got a chance to get picked in this draft? Well, I know I had a great article uh, by Mike Jensen yesterday, Charlie Brown. Um, he's betting on himself. Now, you don't have to get drafted to be invited to somebody's summer league, training camp, whichever. Uh, obviously, Archie Diacono did it that way a couple of years back, and he's done quite well for himself. So that is obviously a possibility, but uh, the same as you. I, I see just uh, the one kid from Villanova, quite frankly. Dee, this is a big offseason for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, of course. Embiid vowing to come back better and fitter. But what about Simmons? We talk about this all the time with you and other guests. Do you think he will work on the jump shot that we all want to see from him? He works on it plenty. He just it doesn't matter because he doesn't <laughs> shoot it. So right. He work, No, I'm not not being funny. He really does. Oh, I know. I know. He know. works on it every. You know, he's a big gym guy. But if if you're not going to implement it into your game, that nothing changes. So I'm I'm not of the. I don't know why I should think it's going to be different. Um, you know, even though he's played only two years, he had a whole off season the year he didn't play, and during that year, once his foot was healthy, to work on a jumper, he had all of last year to work on a jumper. Uh, I'm, I just and the year before, <laughs> quite frankly, he's had three years. So yep. I mean, I hope that the one thing is it will define him 
if he does not add this to his game. And, you know, like you can pull up numbers from Pascal Siakam. The difference in his shooting from last year to what we saw this year was remarkable. So it can be done. It's, it's not like other people haven't done this. But if you're not willing, then nothing ever changes. Hey, D, we'd be remiss to not ask you about Brett Brown and uh, and his future with the club. How do you think the team, they won 51 games, did they advance far enough? Is he really the guy that can take them to the promised land? Well, I mean, I, I for one, am a Brett Brown fan. Uh, Now, as I say, if you continue to be blinded by Ben Simmons not adding a jumper to his game, then you're going to keep running into the same brick wall in the postseason and you can look and say well we didn't advance by a ball that bounced four times and miraculously went in I think you're being you know slightly blinded if you see it that way because you know Joel was not healthy and people figured figure out ways to make Ben not be Ben in the postseason each of the last few years so um, I think he's a very good coach I think he wants the opportunity to have the roster, you know, that starting five from the beginning of a season. Uh, I thought he did make good adjustments this past postseason, certainly in the first round. Um, and then, and I shouldn't even say that. There, there were some good adjustments also in the round against Toronto. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. I, at some point there is pressure on Brett for sure. There's pressure on Elton right now to make sure he secures these two guys and and builds the bench. And ultimately, it'll be on Josh Harris because he'll have a tough decision if they don't make it past that second round next year. Now, I know we said the same thing this past year, but going to a game seven on the road in Toronto and having that game play out like it did, I think it bought everybody a little time that maybe wouldn't have been had you gotten knocked out a little earlier in the second round. Hey, do you, what about the Sixers' young guys? Uh, any upside, you think, for guys like Zaire Smith, Shake Milton, Jonah Bolden? Can we expect to see them more in the years ahead? Will they be players? Well, I mean, Jonah certainly had his opportunity. Uh, he battled inconsistency. I think he needs to figure out, or they do, is he a backup five, or is he going to be a four in this league? And if you're a stretch four, he's shown you – he can make an outside shot, um, but I think that's ultimately going to have to be defined for him. Some guys can bounce back and forth, but I think for him it would be better if he's defined as one or the other. And then in terms of Zaire, I mean, I'm hoping we see him in the summer league. You know, he had a very, very tough year last year with injury and illness. I saw him play 11 games in the G League. He didn't overly impress me, and I feel like you should at the G League level if you're going to be a legitimate NBA player. But, you know, maybe he still needs another year of development. And the one thing with him, he shot 20% from three at the G League level. Now, you'll go, and if you look at his stats, he played in six games with the Sixers. Uh, He shot 37%, but he didn't shoot as many threes uh, as he did at the G League level. And... So I would be concerned with his shooting capabilities. And, you know, they think he has the ability to be a really great perimeter defender because he's very long. I will say this, he got in a lot of foul trouble 
um, at the G League level. But, you know, these are things you can work on. He was a 19-year-old kid they drafted. So, um, th- but they will be counting on him to give something. Shake Milton was probably their most consistent G League guy. Uh, I don't know if they bring him back on a on a two-way contract. And in, so we got Shake, Zaire, and Jonah. And that's and you'll have your 24 pick and hopefully 33 or 34. Yep. Hey, D, one final question before we let you go. Uh, tell us about that greatest walk a pedestrian can have at Rolling Glen Golf Club. <laughs> uh, Rolling Green. Uh, um, that was like oh, Rolling Green. I'm sorry, Rolling Green. No, oh, no problem. Uh, yes. So it was. Uh, that was the third hole. It was also my third hole in one, and they have all been at Rolling Green, and all have been at on a different par three. So it's kind of crazy for me to like wrap my head around that. Um, but it was the first one that I actually saw go in because my previous two were uphill greens. And, you know, you can't see it until you walk up there. So this was the first one I actually watched it go in. And it was quite fun, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, congratulations. One, one is Thank hard. To, one's a lifetime, and you've managed three. I, I know. Well, it just means I'm lucky. That's all. doesn't mean uh, I'm hey, than the rest of us. Dee, before we let you go, tell everybody what you got going on tomorrow night, you and the, the rest of the gang at 97.5. Where will you be and what uh, can people listen to? Yeah, so actually tonight I'm also working. Um, we're going to do a mock draft on 97.5 tonight, me and Joe Torty. Uh, and then tomorrow, me and Joe and Devon Givens will be at the Sixers practice facility. Um, and we'll we'll reveal all the picks, meaning from the entire draft, and we'll talk about them. And then obviously we'll patiently wait to see what happens with the Sixers. And usually you can be also, hopefully, with the number 24 pick, uh, get a guy on the phone, and maybe he can uh, talk with us on 97.5. So that's my immediate uh, what's happening in D. Lineham's life. Fantastic. <laughs> D. Lineham is always busy, and, and, D, we certainly appreciate you taking time out of that busy schedule to join us again, and let's do it always again. A pleasure. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Thanks D. D. Thank you, guys. All right, Bill. You know, I tell you this every week. There's a lot to love about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne. It starts with the food and drink, of course, a terrific menu, plus lunch specials, dinner specials, happy hour deals, and always 24 beers on tap with beer specials during all Phillies games. Trivia every Wednesday evening, a DJ every Friday night, and occasional Thursdays like this week. It is karaoke night at the Irish Rover. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne, and you can get more info on their website, which is irishroverstationhouse.com. And by the way, Bill, uh, we talked about our favorite female singers a few weeks ago. We mentioned a couple of them. You said Stevie Nicks. She's in my top three, but I think my favorite would be this lady who happens to be having a birthday today, Ann Wilson of Heart. Here we go. There you go. Great song. Happy birthday, but uh, she's no Stevie Nicks. 69 years young today, Ann Wilson of Heart. 69. Wow. Yeah. All right, hey, Chet, we, uh, we talked about the Phillies a little bit. You know, they're decimated with injuries. They're not hitting. They're not pitching. Uh, as we said, lost 11-17. The wheels are coming off. What You see moves? You see they're going to make what, what kind of moves do you think they're going to make, and can they resurrect this thing and, and get it going back in the right direction? 
They have to make moves, though. They absolutely have to. I mean, the term June swoon comes to mind here. It's been a rough few weeks. As we alluded, you know, they've got a bunch of guys underperforming, both in terms of offense and the pitching staff. The injuries haven't helped. As I said at the top, the pitching situation is a major concern for me. I still have faith that this team will hit, but the arms have been a real disappointment. The bullpen, though, is getting some guys back, hopefully this weekend, both Adam Morgan and Tommy Hunter even. God, here I am looking for Tommy Hunter like it's a good thing, but they do need him. Uh, The rotation has been really inconsistent at best, occasionally awful, and I fear it's not going to get any better unless they make a move. They didn't go after Jay Happ early or strongly enough in the offseason. For whatever reason, they didn't seem to want Keuchel, who, oh, by the way, is now with the first-place Braves and will make his debut this Friday. And Bill, Vince Velasquez still gets sent out to pitch occasionally, and I just don't get it. To quote a line from Network, which I saw on Broadway a few months ago, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Well, and I, I get it. And, and and I have another thing to throw at you, Chad. Here we are, 14 pitchers are 14, 15 starts into the season. So they're about halfway through. And if you had to guess, you would have to say that Zach Eflin's the ace of this staff right now. Yeah, he is. And Nick Pavetta's looked uh, better of late. So that's an encouraging sign. But Nola remains very inconsistent. He has not looked the same as he did last year. Arietti, you never know what you're going to get from him. So, boy, I don't know. And Cole Irvin's just gotten worse and worse every time they put him out there. Um, he's like a batting practice pitcher at this point, home run derby guy. So, I don't know. They have to make a move. They've got to go out and get somebody, or I'm going to be really depressed. Well, and, and it's a matter of what do you give up and who do you have on the big league roster you can give up to actually get quality, and uh, or, or are you going to start dipping into the farm and, and depleting the farm to get – you know, I guess the decision is: Do they are they good enough to make a playoff run that they're willing to dump prospects to get there? And I, I, I don't know that they are. I, yeah, at I'm this not point sure with All the injuries, and I'm the one that said they were going to run away and hide. You did say that, uh, and I was looking at the numbers today, Bill, just ahead of our show for comparison's sake. Last year, with a very different roster, they hit 234. This year, they're hitting 243 at this point, ninth in the league. Last year, they averaged 1.15 home runs per game. This year, 1.2 home runs per game, so not even you know, noticeably better. Twelfth in the league in home runs. Last year, they averaged 4.2 runs per game. This year, a little better, 4.8, but I really thought they'd be averaging closer to six runs a game this year with that lineup. Uh, the team ERA, 4.50, 4.5, which is eighth in the National League. So that is not great, right in the middle of the pack. You know who's right ahead of them in the, in the team ERA? The Marlins, 4.32. The stinking Marlins have a better pitching staff, at least you know ERA-wise, than the Phillies. Go figure. Yeah. Well, and go figure that your lineup right now has Scott Kingry in three-hole. Who, who would have thunk that? Well, he's the only guy who's, you know, hitting the way he should or maybe exceeding expectations. Everybody else, I think, has been, you know, a disappointment so far this year. And I heard on the radio the last couple of days some people really starting to complain about Bryce Harper, that he's just not worth the money. And I I still think it's too early to make that judgment, but he's not getting it done. Let's face facts. Well, he he is what he is. You know, we talked about this at the time. He's a 250 hitter. He's a 245 hitter. It's what he – was when we got him, uh, and he's still on pace to get 28, 30 home runs and 110 RBIs. So, yeah, you know, he, yeah. you know what? he is what he is. 
And, and 200 strikeouts. I don't want to talk about them anymore. Let's get our next guest on because he's on the line, and that's going to be a whole lot more fun than talking Phillies baseball. You think it is? All right. Well, you know, I always enjoy when we have Andrew Kay on as a guest. The Philly Spectrum S Project is something I think is really cool, and I enjoy seeing the updates on who's signing it, and uh, he's always got somebody somebody new signing it. Yeah, I do as well. It's pretty cool, and I'm a little jealous, frankly. Great idea by Andrew, who joined us on our show 14 months ago and is back now for seconds. So introduce him, Bill. Andrew from the Philly Spectrum S, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you. Hey, thanks, guys. You, you had to lead me in with a sad Philly fact. You kind of went from hey, we're only uh, and, nothing and, but up, Andrew. Nothing but up. <laughs> Exactly. It could have gone from Ann Wilson, who was actually the first female rock star to ever sign the Philly Spectrum S. Really? Oh, that's a coincidence. Yep. yep. I did and not I, know that. I thought as soon as you, I thought as soon as you mentioned that, that it was cutting to me, and then uh, you had to go through the Phillies. But let, let's bring it back. <laughs> yeah. We didn't know that. <laughs> that. That was just a coincidence, but it is her birthday. So all right, for, for those it who is. don't know the story, we'll sum it up real quickly because you told us uh, the whole story uh, twelve or fourteen months ago. You acquired the Philly Spectrum S, the letter S that was on the outside wall of the former home of the Flyers and Sixers for many years. You won it through an auction back in 2010 with your bid of somewhere between $300 and $400. You don't even remember the exact number. We talked about all that last time. But, you know, Andrew, I was looking online the other day, and I found a story from three or four years ago. I think Sarah Baker interviewed you, and it made me chuckle. When I saw what your mom said about your purchase, do you remember what she said? And, yes, you can curse here. Said, what are you doing with that thing, and why would you waste your money? <laughs> well, the quote, I, the quote I saw in the story was, why are you buying dumb shit? <laughs> I, I tried to clean it up for the show, but uh, that, that, is, that was the quote. <laughs> uh, well, let me ask you, has your mom changed her tune on this endeavor, and how does your new wife like it? Uh, she has. Uh, my mom has definitely come around, and now, you know, being that it has 104 signatures on it, and I've met all of my idols, she's uh, she definitely sees why I bought that dumb shit. So, uh, <laughs> and my, you are right. I just got married in November, and uh, yeah, my wife is a fan of the project as well because she's been able to come along to meet some amazing people, and she's a she's a big sports and music fan herself. So she understands what I'm trying to do here. And she's a big fan of the project as well. Awesome. Well, Andrew, you, oh, yeah. um, you've got a ton of signatures on there. Um, have you had, I know there's some that you're really targeting. I guess let's go, let's start with that. Who's, who are the top names that still have to get on there? Top names. So I'm really pressing for the rest of the 83 championship Sixers team. I recently got Mo Cheek since the last time we spoke. So uh, that was a great addition there. Uh, and, you know, obviously Charles Barkley. I mean, Sir Charles is what, you know, made me fall in love with the Sixers when I was a little kid. Um, Music-wise, obviously the boss, Bruce Springsteen's at the top of the list there with Billy Joel and the, uh, the Grateful Dead. So... So you have none of, none of those them. guys uh, or even from the bands or you just don't have the leaders? I don't have the leaders. So from the E Street Band, I have Gary Talent, I have Max Weinberg, and uh, Stephen Van Zandt on the top of the uh, top corner of the S where little Stephen was here. So uh, that's a fun signature on there. <laughs> cool. Yeah, you got a lot of flyers from Bobby Clark to Eric Lindros. You have a you know a bunch of Sixers from Dr. J to, as you mentioned, Mo Cheeks you got some great musicians on there, Greg Allman, Steven Tyler among them. 
when you visited us in April of last year, the total was 95, so you've added nine to that, now 104. Uh, you got Roger Daltrey on there, and Andrew, I have a bone to pick with you there, because I saw on Facebook you called Roger Daltrey the greatest frontman in rock. Roger's very good, but I need to correct you. Mick Jagger and Freddie Mercury will always be numbers one and two in terms of rock's greatest frontmen. So I'm biased. My first ever <laughs> rock concert, I was, I believe, 12 years old, and my next-door neighbor knew that I was just getting into rock music, and his wife couldn't go to the show, and he said, you're coming with me tonight. We're going to see the Hoodoo Quadrophenia. And it bl- absolutely blew my mind. I became an instant rock fan from that second, and Roger Daltrey, I mean, I agree. I think Mick Jagger, Freddie Mercury, Freddie, uh, unfortunately, won't be able to sign the S, but uh, Mick Jagger, I am working on as well because he did play the Spectrum uh, five or six times. But right now, when I look at the S, I mean, that Roger Daltrey signature is just so special for me. I just, I go back to 12-year-old Andrew sitting at the, uh, I guess it was the E Center at the time, just watching Roger Daltrey screaming, the real me. So I got you. Hey, Andrew, when you get these guys to sign or, or gals, um, how much trouble have you had getting them lined up, especially the rock stars, people that, you know, just aren't in town very often? Uh, how are you able to work that out? Do you do it through their agents? And, and actually, because obviously you have to haul that thing. It doesn't just go in your trunk. Uh, how's that work out? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, it's gotten a, a little bit easier. I mean, now that I can, you know, say names like, you know, Roger Daltrey cited John Oates members of Pearl Jam, Fish, Steven Tyler, uh, Greg Allman, like you said, Kiss now, you know, it's, it, it, I, I, I mentioned those names and now a lot of them want to be a part of it, but I mean, it is still tough. Like you said, they're only in town for a couple hours. I mean, some of these guys come in for the show and they're on the bus going to the next venue immediately afterwards. So, you know, their time is really limited and most of their time is already, you know, filled up. So it, it is difficult when it comes to the musicians. Um, but it's such a fun project and the spectrum is such a special place for so many of these artists that now when, you know, I do mention what the project is and some of the names that are on there, they will find the, you know, 10, 15 minutes that it takes just to sign it and maybe share a story. Andrew, you made a big announcement about the Philly spectrum S a few weeks back. What was that announcement and what are the related plans going forward? Yeah, so thank you for bringing that up. I'm really excited. I mean, it's been such a special project, you know, helping keep the memories alive for, you know, everyone loved the Spectrum. And the fact that I'm able to help, you know, bring everyone back to their childhood, their first Flyers game, Sixers game, et cetera, is so special. And it's been such a special project for me. But now it's time to focus on the next generation. I've made some great contacts. I've had such an amazing time with this project. So now I want to use the memory of the Spectrum to help empower the next generation, to give kids the opportunity through sports and music to one day play in an arena like the Spectrum. So I have officially set up a nonprofit. Everything has been approved, and I will be helping to fund music programs throughout Philadelphia, help rebuild some of the basketball courts and hockey rinks. And, you know, I grew up in Lafayette Hill. Every day after school, I went to Miles Park, and I played basketball until the sun went down. And you know, unfortunately, when you drive around the city, kids don't have that opportunity. You, you see these basketball courts that have huge cracks in them where a kid's going to break his ankle or, you know, the rim is crooked or broken backwards. And it's just it, it's really unfortunate to see that. And I really want to use the memory of the spectrum and everything that I've created with this project to help those kids, you know, get that opportunity to be the next Dr. J, to be the next Bruce Springsteen, 
you know, rocking in front of thousands of people. And so, Andrew, how to follow up on that, how can people donate or how, how, how do you have that set up? Are you doing it through your website? Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm working on updating the website right now. There will be a section uh, detailing around the nonprofit. You'll be able to donate directly on the page. Um, also working right now with uh, Shive Sports. I know that you had Brian on uh, the other week. Um, yep. where Shive Sports has a Spectrum T-shirt, Spectrum socks, a bunch of Spectrum-related merchandise, and they're such amazing guys at that uh, company who they just opened up another store in King of Prussia, and they're going to be working with me that uh, any Spectrum-related items sold through my website, that 10, you know, X amount of dollars or percentage will go directly to the nonprofit. So uh, I have the website set up, phillyspectrums.com. It's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and as I have fundraising events and different opportunities to get involved, everything will be shared through there. Yeah, and you're referring to Brian Michael, of course. I want to ask you about a yep. couple of the recent signatures you got. Uh, you got Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons from KISS when they played March 29th. I was there. I guess you were at the show as well. How was it meeting uh, those two legendary guys from KISS? It was so cool. So I was a huge KISS fan when I was younger. I had uh, KISS posters on my wall, the Destroyer poster. I had the KISS heads and lava lamp from uh, Spencer's gifts. So, again, that was just another one that it just brought me back to, you know, oh, my God, here I am standing in front of Gene Simmons in full costume and makeup. And I was just like, this is the coolest thing in the entire world. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really get to spend too much time with them. Um, they sell all these VIP tickets where you can get a picture with Kiss. So, you know, pre-show, once they're in their costume and makeup, they have to go to the next thing of taking pictures. And there must have been 100 and some fans to get pictures. Yeah. But, uh yeah, they, uh, you know, the S was set up. I re actually reached out to their manager, Doc Miei, who I was, I couldn't believe it when I got an email back from, you know, this legendary rock manager that he would be more than happy to set this up. And yeah, they came by, they signed it. You know, you could see that they were looking around. I saw that they noticed that Ace Freely's already on there. Luckily, they didn't comment about that because I know <laughs> that they're, uh, <laughs> don't have the best relationship anymore, but Yes. Yeah, I was really happy to add both of them. And um, actually, the other members of the current KISS band also signed because Eric Singer was the drummer the last time KISS played at the Spectrum. And Tommy Thayer, although he never played there with KISS, his band Black and Blue opened for KISS at the Spectrum. So I didn't have, that, have to have that awkward conversation of, oh, Gene and Paul, why don't you guys sign? But uh, Tommy and Eric, you know, step aside. <laughs> hey, is that... Quick follow, is that ever a problem where, you know, some guys assume they're going to be asked to sign too, like if they're in the band but they never played the Spectrum? Has that ever been an issue? Once. Um, well, actually twice. So one time when uh, Wally Jones, uh, old Sixer, when he signed it, one of his buddies was with him. And he goes, oh, my buddy played with me at the Spectrum once. I was like, oh, was he on the Sixers? He's like, no, you know, he shot around with me after practice. I was like, uh <laughs> Sorry, you know, that's not going to happen. And uh, when Dr. J and Moses Malone signed it, it was at a Sixers draft party, and Theo Ratliff was there. And Theo went to go sign. I was like, oh, Theo, you know, it's, I'm trying to keep the people that only people that played at the Spectrum. I was like, yeah, but would you sign my hat, hoping that would be good enough? And he was very insistent on signing the yes. And luckily I did some quick research on my phone. He was part of that last Sixers team that played the Bulls. Uh, in the spectrum. So 
luckily uh, it's kind of tough when you're looking up at a guy who's six foot eleven. Tough to say no to someone like that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Hey Andrew, once uh, I, I guess at some point this will come to an end as you as you get these people you're after. What's the display plans ultimately? Uh, you know, the, this new Philly Sports Museum would that be a landing spot possibly? Yeah, I mean, I've been, you know, I have a great relationship with Lou Scheinfeld since, you know, the beginning of this project. I developed a relationship with Lou. Uh, we're, you know, in, co- in good contact. Um, and, yeah, if, we could, if you could get that going, I mean, this is that's the perfect place for something like this. I mean, right now I'm standing in front of it just in case you ask me any questions so I can point out a signature. But, uh, you know, it, this really, it, it, this needs to be in a museum. This needs to be, you know, displayed somewhere in the Wells Fargo Center. I mean, there's too many memories on this piece right now for it just to be people who come to visit my wife and I at our house. So, yeah, I really hope. And, and uh, you, you told us the last time how how big that is. What? Tell us again. It's uh, six feet, around six feet high, a little under six foot, and uh, four feet wide, and it's about 70 to 75 pounds. So not the easiest thing to lug around. <laughs> Right. And you mentioned you mentioned last year that the S is hollow. There's no back to it. So how many more signatures do you think you can fit on the front and, I guess, when needed, the sides of the S? You have 104 now. How many more can you get on there, do you think? I mean, between the sides, I definitely think I could get, you know, I, I don't see the project ever ending. It, it's large enough. I mean, there's uh, – there's definitely a little bird crap that's uh, encrusted on the top of it that I'm scared to take <laughs> off because I don't want to take the paint off, but uh, I'm sure someone will sign over that one day. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, you know, we mentioned before about the Flyers, the Sixers, the bands that played there. You know, there was so much more that the Spectrum had. I mean, when you, if you look at the website, I have Billie Jean King on here. I mean, the legendary yep. tennis player mm-hmm. who brought the Philadelphia Freedom, they played their first season at this Spectrum, who was just the sweetest person I've ever met in my life. I have Jolton Jeff Chandler, who is a Hall of Fame boxer, and Atkinson, who was in the Harlem Globetrotters, who played the Spectrum probably a million times, and also some of the WWF wrestlers. So, you know, even if you're not a sports or music person, chances are the Spectrum has something special for you. And I, and I have to ask you, I think uh, we talked about this the last time, and you said, told us Ed Snyder was your favorite as it sits right in the middle of the S uh, in white. Is Ed Snyder, Ed Snyder still your favorite as you've added some more entertainers and things? Uh, yeah, I mean, it'll that'll probably be always be the most special because none of these signatures would be here. This S wouldn't be hanging right here in front of me if it wasn't for him. I mean, there's so many people on here that have, you know, like I said, Roger Daltrey, that one's so special to me, being that it was my first rock concert. Um, you know, Kiss, because I grew up such a fan. The Doors, um, Robbie Krieger signed. The Flyers, and I mean, Ron Hextall was my idol. I don't know if I shared the story with you guys, but when yes. I met Ron Hextall, it was the first time in my life that I just froze. I couldn't even, like, get word out because it's, it was like my idol growing up. So, you know, I, I would say Ed Snyder is definitely the most special signature on there, but there's so many favorites for me just because that's where I grew up. I grew up in the spectrum like the rest of us. Well, that's the perfect segue because I wanted to ask you about the Flyers. I know that over half of the signatures, 55 or 56, are Flyers, 55 out of the 104, yeah. and you are a huge Flyers fan. 
How do you like what they've done so far this offseason? The Flyers have taken some heat from their fans, the whole Kate Smith thing and some of the moves that they have made, you know, don't sit well with fans. What's your take on the orange and black this offseason? You could bring back Eric Lindros, Bernie Brown, and Bobby Clark in their prime, and Flyers fans are going to complain about it. (laughs) I think that, you know, everyone's so quick to judge. I mean, you know, Kevin Hayes, $7 $7 million. We don't know what the cap's going to be this year. $7 million a year could be a steal for a guy like this. You know, everyone's saying, oh, he's only hit 25 goals in his career. He's been on junk teams. You know, he's going to be surrounded. He's going to have two great wingers with him. And, you know, as time goes on, $7 million is going to be the norm for these contracts. And, you know, everyone always complains that, you know, flyers go for these old guys, 32-year-old defensemen, this and that. But, we have kids on our blue line right now. We need to take the pressure off of them. We need veterans in place that can play good hockey. I mean, when you look at it, we got rid of Andrew McDonald. We got rid of uh, Lettman and um, there was one other kind of junk contract. But when you look at what we got rid of and what we replaced, these kids can now play hockey. They don't have to, at you know, 22 years old, be dependent on in a leadership role because we now have leaders around them, you know, people that can show them the ropes, that can – actually play hockey and aren't only there for a leadership position. So, you know, I think that it takes a lot of pressure off of Nolan Patrick. He doesn't have to be that number two center right away. He can play the, you know, number three center minutes and really thrive at, you know, in his early twenties. And, you know, we're, we're really developing that team. And you know what, I can tell you right now, hearing Chuck Fletcher talk, this isn't going to be the end. I mean, there's going to be a lot of moves, especially with the uh, draft coming up. All right. Well, hey, Andrew, before we go, um, can you give us a quick rundown how people can get a hold of you through your website, your Twitter, and everything else, and, uh, again, where they can donate? Sure. So it's uh, phillyspectrums.com is the website, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Philly Spectrum S. And in the next week or so, the nonprofit section will be up on the website. Right now, when you go to the website, I do have the announcement around the nonprofit. Um, you know, why I'm starting the nonprofit and what the goal of the nonprofit and the mission is. And, uh, yeah, I really look forward. I think that this is something very exciting to keep that spectrum memory alive, not just the memories, but creating new memories for the next generation using, you know, the, the memory of the spectrum. So excited to get it going and really excited to hopefully get a lot of Philadelphia involved in the project. Great, great job, uh, great project. And uh, if we can ever help you in any way, certainly let us know. We'd be glad to to promote anything we can for you and and also have you back to talk about it. Awesome. I really appreciate it, guys. Love coming on the show. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Hey, Chet, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? If that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave Avoy from Allstate and Westchester, PA. Yeah, very true, Bill. The same person you count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal, then show you the right financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave Lavoy in Westchester, PA, 610-430-0700, and start planning for your retirement today. That's right, Dave Lavoy at Allstate, 610-430-0700. Again, 610-430-0700. And, Bill, on Tuesday, you know, it was birthday number 77 for the great Paul McCartney. Seventy-seven. Wow. And still touring. Still touring. 
Hard to believe, isn't it? Man. You know, you see some of those guys like him and you think, you don't realize that you're getting old until you hear about him being 77. Then you start saying, wow. Yeah, <laughs> watching I'm, I'm happy, to have seen, happy to have seen him three times in concert, including, I guess, 2015 or 16, and uh, he was great still. Absolutely. All right, Ted, hey, the new Philly Press Box radio shirts have been a smash, as we've said before. We're down to about 11 left from our initial order. Very close of time to reorder. Tell us about them. Yeah, we unveiled these nice new Philly Press Box Radio T-shirts. As you know, we don't have many on hand, but we have some of them still in sizes medium through 2XL. They have our red logo on the front, our sponsor's logos on the back. They are available in red as well as in gray and in black with the red logo again. You can choose from regular cotton polyester material or dry fit. 15 bucks for the regular material, $17 for dry fit. If you do need them shipped, add $7 for one, $10 if you're ordering two. And, yes, we are running out of the, some of the styles and sizes on our initial run, so we will likely have to order some more soon, Bill. Yep, we have a few uh, We have a few of the red and the black, but mostly the grays are the ones that we have left at this point. Tell us what you need, and we'll hook you up. That's right. Hey, Chet, uh, I don't know if you got to see it, but the resurgence of the Big Five produced by our last guest, Tony Paris, was really cool. I got to watch – I didn't get to watch part one – but I did get to watch part two last night, and it, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, same deal for me, Bill. I was traveling last week and forgot to DVR part one, but I saw you post about part two last night, and then I found it was being replayed overnight last night, so I DVR'd it, and I watched about 40 minutes of it, so I guess I'm about three-quarters of the way through part two, and yeah, it was very good. Great to see all the old players, mostly, I guess, uh, the 90s in part two, some from the late 80s, a lot from the 90s and early 2000s, and very enjoyable. So Tony Paris did a real good job with it. Yes, he did. Well, hey, speaking of your traveling, give us a quick rundown before we uh, we talk about a couple other things. Give us a quick rundown of your trip. You got to meet up with that Brian Baldinger way out in uh, California. Oh, what a week, Bill. I was out in Santa Monica, first time ever out there, uh, you know, near L.A., but in Santa Monica at this beautiful resort through my, my real job, Compass Media Networks. They brought about 50 of us out there, and Brian Baldinger works for, you know, a whole bunch of different sports organizations, and that includes Compass Media Networks because he does some color commentary for their games, um, as well as, you know, for the other networks that he's involved with. So I met up with Brian and Kevin Burkhardt also, who's the number two Fox announcer. And, boy, he was a great guy. And, boy, I would love to have those guys on. And Brian said he would do it, so we'll see if we can make that happen. And a whole bunch of other people from the network, the media networks that I work for, that I have never, ever met before. So it was great to talk to them as well. And I talked a little football with Brian Baldinger and I talked also with Kevin Burkhardt about the fact that, you know, so many Eagles fans think Joe Buck is awful, that he hates the Eagles. Uh, Chris Collinsworth, you know, is awful. He's always against the Eagles. He says, you hear that in a lot of towns. They always think the national announcer is favoring the other team. But it's not the case. It is definitely not the case, he assures me. So there you go. Very good. Sounds like fun. Oh, and then you two. followed that up yesterday with the Dick Vermeil golf outing with uh, our oh, buddy Kevin Riley's invite. Uh, how did that go? Yeah, first I was in Las Vegas for the weekend. Then I came back Monday night, went to the Dick Vermeil uh, golf invitational, courtesy our pal Kevin Riley, which, of course, was fantastic. Um, 
let's see, what can I tell you about that? I had some notes written down. I don't know what the heck I did with them, but you know the drill. Kevin Riley does a great job with that. He and Kristen and Coach Vermeil, they get all these former Eagles players there, and there were a bunch of them as usual this year. John Spagnola was there. Um, Keith Krepfle, the great Harold was Carmichael. Was Bill Berge in the house? Was Bill Berge in the house? Bill was not there. Supposedly he had a, a dental situation or something, and he was not able to make it this year. And our buddy Bill Bradley was not there this year. He had a, a family obligation or something. So a couple of our favorites, Bill Berge and Bill Bradley, were not there this year, unfortunately. Um, but still a good time had by all. Merrill Reese, of course, was there. Always good to say hello to Merrill. Leslie Goodell, one of our favorites, was there. Good to see her. Saw Dee Lynham briefly, as we noted, and uh, had a real good time. Good dinner, and the weather held off because there was threats of thunder showers all day. Never happened. It was a nice, warm day, and Kevin does a great job. And uh, I can't thank him enough for inviting us. Unfortunately, you couldn't make it again this year, Bill, and we, you were missed. We will make it the next time, no matter what. And, and Chad, we do want to point out, uh, Philly Press Box Radio donates an Eagles helmet every year. They get signed by everybody there, and then it goes up for auction. And what did we, uh, what did we get? $350 for it? Uh, 350 Yes. I think the bidding started at 300 Somebody put it up to 325 and somebody won it with a bid of 350 so that was nice. Uh, somebody bid $12,000 on a couple of Super Bowl tickets, and uh, – they they paid $12,000 to go to the Super Bowl, so hopefully the Eagles will be there. Absolutely. That wasn't that wasn't me and you at Philly Press Box Radio. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Chet, we've delayed our – speaking of Philly Press Box Radio, we've delayed our Hall of Fame voting selections for a week. Life got in the way as you were traveling, I was traveling, had stuff going on. Uh, so we will have our ballot ready for voting next week uh, for our sixth class and we'll close that out on July 3rd. So it's coming. Uh, we just haven't got there yet, but like I say, life kind of got in the way. Yeah, uh, we did postpone it because of all the traveling, busy, crazy week for both of us. We will get to it next week for sure. All right. Hey, Chet, uh, you've been on a roll with great guests again tonight. Uh, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, next week, Bill, in addition to getting everyone set to vote for our 2019 Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame, running down the nominees, we will be joined by a guy who's very familiar to everyone on the Philadelphia sports scene. He's a close personal friend of D-Line, Michael Barkan, and Leslie Goodell, because like them, he was one of the original anchors from Philly's Comcast Sportsnet, as it was known for so many years. Joining us to talk Philly sports and his upcoming sports broadcasting camp will be Neil Hartman. Oh, wow. Nice. We've only had Neil one time, right? Yeah, last summer when we were uh, doing our show out of wildfire, we had Neil Hartman and the Leslie Goodell called in to surprise him with uh, a little right. conversation as well. So, yeah, Neil will be back. Looking forward to that. Neil was great. That, absolutely. All right. Hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They pay, post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autographed memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118 Razroom. That's right. PPCC118 Razroom on Facebook. And, Chet, there's a couple pretty nice things posted up there right now. 
Dan Marino helmet, Bo Jackson helmet, uh, the Bernie Perrant piece, um, some pretty cool stuff. Always nice things there. And by the way, Bill, before we forget, congratulations to Craig Berube and the St. Louis Blues, winners of this year's Stanley Cup. Craig Berube, how about that? Very good. And uh, and actually, Chet, if we get through your parting shot, I have Gloria as part of my parting shot. So we'll I get back to that. I did not know that. Okay. Is it time? Go. Oh, parting shot time. All right. Bill, while out in Las Vegas walking through seven or eight different casinos, the sports books were calling out to me, bet on the Eagles, bet on the Eagles. Some of the casinos had the birds at 14 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. One or two of them, two of them had them at 15 to 1. And one, Boulder Station Casino, had the Eagles at 16 to 1. So I had to do it. I'm not going to tell you how much I wagered, but I have a good feeling about Carson Wentz and his 2019 Eagles team. Wentz is going to stay healthy. The Eagles offense will click. It's going to be a great season. So with that optimism and 16 to 1 odds, I got my money out. And I did it. So with even more reason to root than usual, I say, go Birds. Go Birds, absolutely. Well, hey, Ted, I just have two things. And one of them was um, involving Laura Brannigan's Gloria. And the story that goes with that, Chet, and uh, I don't have exactly have their players' names anymore. I did have them when I first uh, prepared this. But do you know that the – Blues players were in Philadelphia playing the Flyers when the Eagles were playing the Bears. And they went to a local bar in Philadelphia called Jack's NYB in South Philly that was playing the game and playing Gloria. And the fans got so crazy over the song, they took it home with them. So the Gloria for the St. Louis Blues started in South Philly's bar Last this year, past year, when the Eagles were playing the Bears, I did know that. Yeah, that was a, a story out of Philly, and that's when the season turned around because they were down near the bottom of the standings at that point. Turned things around, and uh, they ended up winning the cup. So, congrats to Craig Berube and Braden Shannon, all the rest of the Blues. All right, one last thing, Chet, that we missed. Congrats to Cole Hamels on picking up its twenty-fifth hundred strikeout, tenth most all-time by a lefty. Hamels also has 162 wins. So if he keeps his current average, Chet, by the time he hits about 38 years old, he will get his 3,000 strikeout right about the 195th win mark. Sounds like Hall of Fame numbers going up for that Cole Hamels. Yes, indeed. And Chase Utley, retirement night this Friday night at the ballpark. Go, go and enjoy it. Wrap it up, Bill. All right. We've reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guest, D-Lionel, Andrew Kay. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC Razroom, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. We're wrapped up. We'll see you next Wednesday, June 26th at 7 p.m. Listen on iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Hi!